0: No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hello and welcome to the Sports Dummies podcast. It's been a while, but we are back and we're raring to go. This is a podcast for you, whether you know everything about sports or absolutely nothing. My name is Hope Ellen and each week I'm joined by the wonderful sports guru, Lewis Pearce. Lewis, how you been?
0: Hope, I'm absolutely brilliant. Thank you. I got back from a... Well, no, it was a two-week a two-week holiday, near enough. Um, from Cornwall, I went backpacking all around Cornwall, north to south. And for those that are watching on YouTube, um, I actually have a proper tan line. Like I actually am. I, actually, oh, I don't know how it. well that is on camera. I actually am properly tanned uh, when well my watch was. So there you go. I, I literally cannot believe how much I managed to uh, to catch the sun while I was away.
1: I've never heard anyone backpacking around Cornwall. Normally, it's like oh, I went backpacking around Europe. <laughs> just sticking to Cornwall
0: yeah well because for a couple I think a couple of reasons <laughs> practically obviously really easy to get to you take your car down there you you, you know you set up you do your stuff and you move on nice and straightforward but it's actually fairly cheap like when you look at a holiday objectively for the entire 12-day trip guess how much I paid for as in for sort of camping for the whole for the whole thing
1: 280
0: Look, you're near enough, you're near enough dead on, like near enough at, at two ninety. It was less oh the point is it was less than three hundred. If you think about a holiday, because I had people speak to me on, on the trip that were like, You're like, Oh, you're backpacking around Cornwall, that's lovely, but they were like, Oh, you can go to Paris for twenty five pounds and whatever, and that's like, well that's that's fantastic, you know, you can get a flight. <laughs> I've got mates that have gone to Reykjavik, say, in in um Finland or wherever, you know, you've got, you can go all around the world for cheap money, but you've got to think you've got to do hotel, you've got to do food, you've got to do this and that. So actually when people make these claims like, oh, you can do a holiday for a hundred quid abroad, well, it's not really true.
1: Yeah. I mean, even if you fly with like Ryanair, like they put so much money on top for all your baggage and stuff. I mean, this is oh, a really fun part of the podcast, everyone. Welcome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Really <laughs> I mean, enjoyable.
1: I, I've also been on holiday. I went, not taken away from Cornwall, but I went to Gran Canaria yeah, and wow. we done half board, right? So we were like. Obviously, your breakfast and your dinners included. We were like, oh, that's all right, rest. Yeah. Well, when it came to checking out, obviously, we'd been getting a bit of many cocktails and that. It was 280 each. Well, for drinks. And that was only four
0: days. That is, <laughs> that is terrible. Oh, my days.
1: So you're right. So, yeah, doing doing the Cornwall trip back yeah. around Cornwall. And Cornwall's beautiful, by the way.
0: Oh, my days. I hope, genuinely, that's one thing I would say to any listeners that are interested. It's one of those places where, as a kid, I went to Cornwall quite a few times growing up and stuff, and you appreciate it for its beauty. But when you go as an adult, we were, you know, we went out of school school time because there's not school uh, holidays yet. So we were there, and it was fairly fairly quite for Cornwall. It is stunning, like genuinely. As soon as I can move there, when I have money, when my life is set up. I absolutely will. Do you know how boring it is driving home, eight hours, and knowing there is no seaside to look at. I can't tell you how annoying it was driving home. That's the worst bit about it was knowing, like the seaside. It's all good being blue and sunny and stuff, but just being by the coast, even the heat. You know, in London, near enough London, it, this heat is dry, whereas Cornwall, it's balmy, it's nice, it's like ah, oh, it was amazing. I had the best I Had the best time. Can
1: you surf, by the way?
0: I can surf, yes. I can surf. So we did surfing, we did kayaking, and I'll share one story that's sports related. Go on. So I got an inflatable kayak for my 21st birthday. That's what I've always wanted. Because obviously, because we're not near the sea, well, if I could, I'd surf all day long. That's my real, my preference for water sports. But obviously we haven't got any surf here. So the closest thing to that for me would be kayaking. Anyway, got an inflatable kayak for my 21st birthday. We've done, I've done canals near me. I've done some canals in London, absolutely fine. The sea, though, is a different ballgame. And we went to a, a beach that I can share a photo of that is next door to the Minnick Theatre, which is a very famous theatre in Cornwall, which looks out over the sea. So it's a beautiful, beautiful um, a beautiful theatre. And the beach literally next door was where we went kayaking. Now, we were recommended this place by numerous people saying it was amazing, listen and that, blah, blah, blah. This was terrible. So uh, we went out on the sea, that was all fine. And there was a, like a sort of like a secret bay that was next door. So we kayaked around, pulled into this bay, And we basically got stuck and our kayak capsized. But the problem with an inflatable kayak is that the bottom is not like, it's not like obviously a solid hard kayak where if it flips, you know, you can just tip the water out. It actually started to sink. So we had this whole issue of, oh, it was honestly, it was terrible. We arrived at four. We were aiming to be, we were aiming to leave to have about, sorry, we were aiming to have about an hour there and leave at about six. We got to our car at eight. It took us two oh, took us two hours to get off the beach. It was I we lost sunglasses, like it was awful. It was honestly terrible. Anyway, in the end, very kindly, there were these two uh suppers, so stand-up paddle boarders, who came into the cove, saw the issue we were having, and helped us basically push us out into the because the waves were absolutely crazy, pushed us out into the waves, and then we literally paddled as hard as we could around the cove and then into the, the beach we were on. It was a nightmare, absolute nightmare. But we lived to tell the tale. and That was not one of the highlights of the trip, I will say. <laughs> that was terrible. The worst thing was the Coast Guard, who was, and I can't blame him, no no disrespect, he was literally about 12 years old. He literally must have done his GCSEs that day. Said to us, oh, don't worry, guys. It looks amazing out there. You'll have a great time. We literally got on the water, and it was like being on a roller coaster. You know, like, it was absolutely terrible. But anyway, we are here, and, and we made it, so we're all right.
1: Also... Other news from you, your radio documentary. Give that a plug in case people haven't listened to it yet.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, for anyone listening that hasn't heard, I released a documentary called Frank Sue, the Forgotten Legend on YouTube, which is on my YouTube page. I'm sure we can link it in the description, wherever this goes. And it's basically about Frank Sue, who was the first non-white man to play internationally for the England national football team. And it basically looks into his career and why his career was expelled from the history of English football because he is one of the most important people to ever play football for England and unfortunately very few people know his name so it's, I won't give too many spoilers and um, you have to go listen to it yourself if you haven't already and if you have thank you so much I really appreciate all the support
1: very interesting I went to the listening party absolutely bloody loved it
0: Ah, oh, hope I'm so glad you were there that was the best and we'll, we'll have to we'll include a photo here of me and Hope there together because Hope came and was very very sweet I felt ever that so proud
1: good. and I met his mum and dad it's great yeah to
0: see it's like it's, it's, it was like my it was like my older sister meeting my my long lost family or something <laughs> like that. I feel
1: like that to be fair. <laughs> yeah,
0: it did. Should, we hope, should we should we crack on with the uh, with the episode?
1: Yes, I think we probably should. Eight minutes of waffles, plenty plenty good enough.
0: It's quite a fair amount. So we're kicking off with story number one, and we're talking about the goat of football we're talking about football. Uh, we're talking about Mister Leo Messi. Some news actually that's come out about his recent transfer to Inter Miami. Do you know? You obviously know where Miami is. Who owns into Miami? That's a great question for you. Or is co-owner.
1: Oh, is it celebrity?
0: Yes, big time. Cologne. Cologne? Football. Cologne, as in like perfume, men's perfume, cologne, football.
1: I was going to say Ralph Lauren, but that's not right, is it?
0: <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> I don't know why. When you said after doesn't I just, just imagine Ralph uh,
0: Man United.
1: Michael B. Jordan?
0: No? Footballer. Oh, he's a footballer. Right, well ex yeah, a- 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 ex footballer. David Beckham. Well done. And David Beckham. Do you know
1: what? I was gonna say David Beckham to begin with. I'm not even gonna to lie to you. I actually was going to say David Beckham, and then I thought, no, he was LA Galaxy.
0: Yes, he was. Yeah. You are right. You are right. But he then he- so
1: that's why I doubted myself, and then I went with and I went with this random track of Ralph Lauren and Michael B. Jordan, which were completely a Yeah,
0: Michael. I was going
1: to say David Beckham just saying.
0: Well, oh, you're right. Well, partially right. So the co-owner, who's called Ho- um, I think it's jo- I think it's Jorge or George Mas. Mass, George Mass. Anyway, co-owner of Inter Miami, he's a billionaire, very rich man. He actually has revealed that the 36-year-old Argentine, Leo Messi is going to be earning about fifty to $60 million a year. Now, this is quite controversial, Hope, for one reason, because Messi had all sorts of offers around the world. His contract expired with Paris Saint-Germain, so he finished his season there, um, and basically decided he obviously wanted to move away, and that was that. So everyone thought the fingers were pointing to Barcelona, but Barcelona are in loads of debt. There's a massive problem there. They've got huge money issues. And the other place that's arising, which we're going to discuss now, is Saudi Arabia. Because Saudi Arabia have been pumping money into football left, right, and centre, they've picked up some of the best names in Europe. So players like Karim Benzema and Golo Kanté, uh, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo, plays there, all on ridiculous wage packages. And it was said that Al-Halal, who are one of the teams that play in the Saudi League, offered Messi five hundred million euros a year to play alone.
1: So why did he say no to them and yes to sixty mil?
0: Well, this is the interesting thing because probably. There were again. It's always hard to say, but I would give two reasons. Number one, if he moved to Saudi Arabia, you've then got the rivalry again between him and Ronaldo. Now that obviously went on and on at uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona for numerous yeah, all years. All about it. You see, you know exactly. You're a bit of a. You're a bit of a. You're a keen. You're a keen Barca Real. Uh, you're, a, you're a keen Barca Real fan. I know uh, all
1: the drama, yeah. all the tweets back and forth, yeah, right?
0: All the gossip. All all, all of it. You're all over it. And Whereas, interestingly, the, the second point I'd say, so that might be one, because again, at 36, you don't want to have the old competing thing of who's got more assists and goals and all that stuff. The other thing that was quite interesting is that with the MLS, which is the Major League Soccer, so that's who owns that league in America like the Premier League in England, Um, the MLS actually have an Apple Live pass, which effectively is like Sky Sports. So Apple Live signed a 10-year deal this year that's worth $2.5 billion, and that's to stream all the MLS games out, obviously, in America. Now, Messi is set to receive a cut from that. The other big thing as well is that Inter Miami are sponsored by Adidas, and Ma- Messi is one of obviously Adidas's global figures. So, really, Messi often needs a team that is sponsored by Adidas. Not always, you know, it's not a guarantee. When he played at Barcelona, they're sponsored by Nike. That's play- in his favour. Yeah, when, they play at P- when he was at PSG, sponsored by Nike. So, not absolutely, but obviously, it does favour a footballer when the team they play for is sponsored by the same com- okay, company.
1: Why is he getting a cut from Apple?
0: because basically Apple alongside MLS wants to promote the league and because in essence basically what Apple and Inter Miami and the MLS are trying to do with Messi is promote their league so when Ronaldo went out to Saudi Arabia they sold out all their stadiums to watch him same thing with Messi going out to America but that's what I think that's what's quite interesting about this story is the fact that he's going to take a cut because effectively it's a two-way deal Messi goes to the MLS definitely not the best league in the world but we can come on to that in a minute and then the flip side is that they say you come to our league and we will give you a cut of the money that's raised because you can guarantee any club that Messi goes to all stadiums are sold out it's like with Ronaldo you know they're two absolute figureheads of football and two of the most iconic players of all time so it's quite interesting actually and Mass so the co-owner again has said Messi can turn the MLS into one of the two or three biggest leagues in the world and also revealed that Leo is going to have a stake in the club when he retires. So there are effectively long-term packages for him.
1: He's sorted. I mean, there's obviously the money in Saudi, which he was offered, but the benefits that he's being given here probably outweigh all that, because they're for long. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And the other thing to think about too, obviously, is that America is rel- not super close, but relatively close, especially Miami being down the south of or southeast of America, is obviously not that far from Argentina. So there are some pros in that sense, because being in... Barcelona, then Paris, and then even in Saudi, you're miles away from Argentina. Whereas being on that sort of North South America co you know, that North South America continent, I was gonna say, um, is actually really practical. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see how he, how he gets on. For me personally, I would have liked to have seen him go to Saudi only to compete with Ronaldo and be in that league. Because actually quite a few big names have gone there. It's quite interesting. There are some quite actually some quite fun teams to watch now. So Um, All the other ethical things we don't have to discuss necessarily, but from a football perspective, I think it would have been really fun. Uh, What I will say about the MLS is it certainly isn't, in my opinion, it isn't a league that is absolutely thriving, um, but I'm sure Messi will attract big crowds as he always does.
1: On the note of football, and I don't know what these stories are this week, so I apologise if I'm jumping the gun here, but Stormzy and someone else have bought Croydon
0: Yes, Wilfred Zaha, that is right. They bought Croydon, I think they're called Croydon AFC, and they're in the eighth... Oh, the Wilfred. Like, Wilfred Zaha, yeah, yeah.
1: I know him. Do you? Yeah.
0: How do you know him? Well,
1: not know him, know him. I don't know him as a friend, but I... Friend <laughs> <laughs> I researched him once when I went for an uh, audition. Oh, did you? don't know him. <laughs> I just know of him.
0: Yes. So Stormzy is from Croydon. Wilfred Zaha is from Croydon. So that was where the Croydon link comes in. Um, I don't know a lot more about the club than that, really. So I have to wait and see how. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how they get on. But quite exciting, really, because obviously Stormzy was the manager at Soccer Aid, who was quite passionate. That was really fun. Don't know if you watched that. So yeah, it's good that he's getting. I did. And oh,
1: I, I laughed my head off. Did you see the bit where um, Bolt and Mo Farah had a bit of a clash? Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Very funny to see. Also, I wonder if Harry Redknapp's going to be supporting Stormzy, like advising him with mm. this new move.
0: Potentially, I mean,
1: obviously,
0: Zahar Zaha is a, I mean, he's a professional footballer, is likely, just came from Crystal Palace, likely to move away to another club in this summer. He's now a free agent. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, potentially. I'm sure he knows a lot of people and I'm sure he will have big names involved in some capacity. And I suspect the higher up the leagues they go, you will then see probably big names attracted because it's always quite fun. It's a bit like the Ryan Reynolds situation with Wrexham. It's just a very,
1: it oh, totally is. Yeah.
0: It's a different scenario because they're a lower, you know, they're a lower league team. And to be fair, I don't know, I don't know Stormzy's net worth, but it's got to be, it's got to be, got to be fairly solid, I would say.
1: Whereabouts are Croydon? In terms of leagues?
0: What, well, the team AFC Croydon? N- no. What?
1: Whereabouts are they? Are they like Kings Lynn level?
0: You mean, you mean the team that they've just bought? What level are they?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, it's why I say Croydon yeah. AFC. That's the team that they bought. Right. No, there there are a few, but they'd be three or four leagues below them. So, like for Kings Lynn, so they're they're a proper non-league team.
1: Oh wow! So they are bad then.
0: that's well, <laughs> terrible. They're not bad. They just don't have you know. They might they don't have any. They might not have any money, or they might just be a club that like a non-league. Now they've got big owners. I suspect over the next five years, you'll see them absolutely shoot for the stars. So story number two. Like we're talking interestingly, about the Australia cricket green cap, which is known as the baggy green, because currently the ashes are on. And I know quite a few people our age have been wondering what the baggy green history is. So I'm going to give you a little Sports and Dummies history lesson and make it more relevant to nowadays and why people wear it. Have you seen the baggy green hat, Hope?
1: No, I don't know anything about this baggy hat. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have got an Australian hat with like corks on it
0: ah yeah okay that makes sense all right yeah so basically I hope we can include a photo of the cricketers wearing it now the baggy green as its name was first sort of worn in sort of the late 1800s we won't do all the like very far far back history so the, the early origins if you would like to research that go and look it up for yourself this is just a rough overview but yes yeah, so really the first ashes match in, match began i believe it was 1887 so effectively the early the late 1800s, like the early 1890s, we'll call it. Um, and then skip forward 100 years, which seems ridiculous. Players were still wearing it and stuff. But they basically, Australia's, Australia cricket decided they wanted to effectively, I would say, hmm, I don't know what the right word would be. They they basically wanted to commemorate this happening, an iconic hat that was worn right at the beginning, a bit like iconic football shirt. So you might occasionally see that a football club will do a 125th year anniversary shirt in memory of da da da. Now, these hats have been worn ever since, so they haven't changed at all. They're still made exactly the same way. Very simple design. Um, they look a bit like a flat cap, actually, and they've got various, they've got a crest on them with a wreath of red and gold. They've got a shield, and then the Australian supporters who are the emu and the kangaroo. So if you'd like to go and just look up the hat, we can include an image on screen. It's a, They're great hats, but they do. They look a bit like a flat cap that says Australia on it. That's how I would describe it. Um, now, in the late 1990s, a one of the uh, like famous Aussie cricketers called Steve Waugh basically said that all new players that would come into Australian cricket, and that's top cricketers by the way, this is like professional, the creme de la creme playing internationally for Australia, would receive a baggy green from past players in a similar position so if you're a batsman if you're a bowler if you're a field you know wherever you whatever relevance you have that's nice which is quite fun so as an example if you were you know if we relate it to football terms I know lots of football fans listen to this if you were a goalkeeper you would receive a shirt that a goalkeeper wore or a defender or whatever or gloves exactly which is really actually a re- I think a really really fun like a really fun tradition they've kept now it's actually the Australian baggy green is actually regarded as the most famous sporting cap in the world which I think is quite interesting um and the hysteria which i didn't know about but actually began back in sort of 2003 time when it really took off because a contestant on who wants to be a millionaire obviously won a whole load of money and he paid four hundred and twenty five thousand australian dollars for basically the best batsman of all time who's called uh don bradman he bought his 1948 invincibles cap so talking about sports memorabilia now ever since then that world of baggy green hats has absolutely taken off and they've sold i believe it was over 250 hats in that time from various players and and even players that have only played say one test match for australia or even it came off injured There are stories of like players that even wore their hats paint like you know they put on their hats did some painting and they sold their hats for loads of money because they're iconic now the reason for that is that cricket australia actually don't license them for sale so they can never be bought, so they're only ever earned. So any item that you ever see worn would effectively be like an unofficial piece of merchandise so you get it from Amazon or you know eBay or wherever because they're not made. You cannot actually buy them. I think that's quite interesting, like the fact that there is something so iconic. We're going to wrap it all up with story number three. and We're going to talk about something which I quite like the thought of speaking about. I don't think we've ever... We've spoken about rowing before, we definitely have. We have Oxford and Cambridge. Exactly, but we've never discussed the Henley
1: Exactly. The
0: Henley <laughs> Royal Regatta.
1: Oh, Henley! I used to live near there. I've been
0: yeah, there. Yeah, Maidenhead is down your way. Well, was down your way.
1: Yeah, Henley's a lovely place, and I went there once for a day out just by myself, walking around, and on the river I saw people training, actually having lessons. So it's a big thing there.
0: I hope, it's massive. This year, the 2023 edition took place last week. So, at the time of recording, this is the 3rd of July. So, effectively, from last Tuesday, whatever it was, to Sunday, the 2nd of July. Um, and actually, Hope, the 2023 edition attracted 732 entries, which is the second highest number of entries in their 184 year history. So, that is a lot of boats. Well, rowing boats, you want to call them that. Um, now, there were some quite fun stories that took place, like two-time Olympic champion Helen Glover, featured with her GB team of four. in she's one of the four, of course. Um, and they were gearing up for Paris 2024, which is the Olympics next year. So there are levels all the way from intermediate, so effectively like semi-pro, non-league rowers, all the way up to the like, creme de la creme, greatest rowers. And- oh, all in
1: one little competition?
0: Yeah, well across the days, but they're all feature different competitions. So there are okay. there are lots of competitions featuring different races. Um now there on it on each day there are a number of different races, like I said, all often contested by two boats. Now sometimes you'll have a two by two or a four by four. So you as in you have four people against four people and two against two. Uh, and the course is always 1,750 metres. The reason for that, I don't know. So if you do know, please just let us know in the comments or email us at sportsforlovingspodcast at gmail.com. That is something I didn't find out. Um, but there you go. I thought it was quite fun. But Hope, the point about Henley is it's not just about the rowing. It's the social aspect too. Because, and this is where it gets quite interesting.
1: Ooh. Now, I didn't
0: know that... Hold
1: on to your baggy hat.
0: Hope, this is what I was going to say about a social event. It's not just the rowing. The social event is this massive thing that comes with it because you end up coming, you wear very, if you, if you work for a different club or if you have a different affiliation with a club, you wear a different colored suit, you wear funny ties, and the big thing is watches. So everyone goes dressed for the occasion. And it's, interestingly, it's right in between Royal Ascot and Wimbledon, and it's just before the school holidays have happened. So often, loads of people come out and are all dressed up for it. And this year, there were thousands and thousands of people in Henley for the six days. Um, so, Hope, I was going to ask you, if you had to pick a team of four, right, including yourself, three others, which, celebrity, which celebrities would you row with in your boat and why?
1: Cool. That's a question. I don't know why, but I'm choosing Stormzy.
0: Okay, going Stormzy. Yeah, yeah. Strong.
1: Long arms. I reckon he'd be quite good rowing a boat.
0: Yeah, makes sense.
1: I think I'm just going to go for some strong people. Tyson Fury, strong.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good idea. Okay,
1: yeah. And it'd be quite loud. I feel yeah. like it'd be quite Someone, right. Yeah, it'd yeah. be good for motivation, but it'd also be good if someone was in the way. Yes. You doctor. Yeah. The lady from Question of Sport.
0: Well, Gabby Logan or Sue Barker is her name?
1: Sue Barker. She's sporty.
0: <laughs> well, she presents them. I don't know if she... Okay.
1: She used to play tennis.
0: She did, I was joking. I, that was the whole point. I was waiting for you to say, is she? Yes. So she'd have well good done. arms. Yeah, Exactly. No, you're right. I'd
1: probably choose a rower if I knew any. Let... But I don't.
0: What's your choice? And we'll start off with a sportsman. I've got to go Ross Edgley, Absolute legend, one of my heroes. Oh, yeah, uh, you love Ross Edgley. Bit of a monster. Now, I'd also go, quite literally, and I would pick anyone that was available, any drummer from any heavy metal, death metal band, that have arms that just absolutely go, because obviously you need fitness, but you need good arms. So I think-
1: You could go for Travis Scott.
0: He doesn't drum, he just sings and has auto-tune.
1: Not Travis Scott. Oh, that's not his name. Oh, Travis Barker. Travis Barker.
0: Okay, fine. Right, MG, I'll go tra- Okay, there you go. <laughs> Travis Scott. Go, Travis Scott. All right, it's lit. Anyway. Okay, Travis Barker, Ros Edgley, and I'll finish off with, I think you're right. I think you need a motivator in there. I think you need someone that's mentally strong, like strong-willed, very tough. I'm going for Serena Williams. I reckon. Yes. I think.
1: I thought you were going to go Bear grills then.
0: The bear is another good one, to be fair.
1: Although he get everyone to drink their own urine if we we're thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I mean, no one wants that on their own boat.
0: I think we have. I think our teams would have a good would have a good race, to be fair. I think we. I think we. I'd
1: definitely beat you. You would not. Stormzy and Tyson Fury. We're
0: going rap on one side, and we rock and roll on the other as we're going along. <laughs>
1: Oh, what a way to end. Let us know in the comments or drop us an email, as Lewis mentioned earlier, at gmail.com. Tell us who you choose in your little rowing boat.
0: And that wraps up the Sports and Dummies for today. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. If you have enjoyed, please do leave us a like on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening from. Uh, any of the things, as we said, please do email us sportsdummiespodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be back very soon with the latest sporting news from around the world. Hope, all the love,
1: Love you, Lewis. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?